You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. Just out and about. What are you doing? I was waiting for that click chink sand and it just wasn't coming was it no this is a morning podcast i gotta run to work so i I probably should go sober (laughs) yeah so obviously we got the holiday coming up this is an all-american podcast right here we wanted to get this out for everybody uh you know before you get to your holiday weekends but we didn't want to leave you without an episode so this will be a shorter one but we wanted to give you guys something uh, before you get to your 4th of July drinking and eating and whatever it is you're going to be doing. But uh, let's just get on with it, Shane. Starting with, before we go around the league, though, we've got a couple clips here. We always always like to start with something light if we can. And uh, for anyone that's not seen it, the new Madden NFL rookie rankings are out for, you know, a lot of our favorite SEC players are just found out what their rankings is going to be in their first ever appearance in the NFL Madden football game. And Madden actually released a little video here. It was pretty clever. Uh, let's cut to this. And then some, we're going to have to explain some of it on the back end. But uh, l- let's cut to it here. Let's do it. From my perspective, I give myself a 9-3. But from your perspective, oh, this is all type of disrespect. I don't know. I'm a rookie. Maybe uh, six pick. High 70s, low 80s. It's got to be like 80 overall. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how we get to 63. 63? He can throw. I'm better than him. Catching, change that. What passes you see me drop? All right. All right, I'm changing my speed from 97 to 98. What? What was Kyler? 73? He's 73. I should have made a little more money, shouldn't I? My juke, what's the lowest you can actually be? Madden did not do me wrong. They did me justice, baby. I had a one-hand catch. I'm sure it went viral. I'm on Madden, this is crazy. Kyler Murray, and I'm not happy with my Madden rating. That's tough. No, I'm happy with it, it's cool. Yeah. All right, Shane. I mean, I think that's pretty great. And if you missed it there, so Benny, that was Benny Snell talking about how much he loved his rating, and that's because he's rated as a 69 overall, Shane. <laughs> oh, you know he loves it. He loves it. My favorite was uh, the Golden Goose with a 45 juke. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's what my juke is. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that, that never played those games, I mean, 99 is the highest you can go. And they never really rate anyone in the 30s. So I basically, when when you have no ability to juke whatsoever, they just give you a, the old default 45, whatever. So that's what Drew Locke's got in his juke rating. I'm sure they didn't show his arm ratings, but I'm sure his uh, arm strength is probably off the charts, even though he's just a rookie. Oh, yeah. Nobody's happy with their ratings. No one's ever happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who else isn't happy, Shane, is old Terry Bradshaw, because we got a comment from him, too, for for some damn reason. The, he went to Louisiana Tech, so I assume that's why he's down here speaking. This was at a Louisiana Tech, some kind of press conference, and, of course, you know, he went on to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, win a bunch of Super Bowls, and now he does Fox analysts, a commentator, whatnot, but... He came out strong against some Texas quarterbacks, and uh, I have no idea what the hell he's trying to say here. <laughs> I never understood why players would want to go and stack up. Like Texas, we open up with Texas this year. And one year they signed three 5A quarterbacks. Two are now gone. And one that's playing, and he, you know, he ain't that good. And I'm like, really? 5A? And you watch them throw the football and you go, man, alive? What are they? Like they go there and they can't throw the football. I'll take our boys any day. All right, Shane. So you're a 1A guy in my book. I don't know what the hell he's trying to say when he's saying that, but <laughs> I don't understand. Now, Louisiana Tech opens against Texas, so maybe he's just trying to rally the fan base into thinking that they have a shot here against uh, Tom Herman and the Longhorns, but I don't know. I'm not seeing it. And, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of Texas football. I'm sure you don't either. But from watching that quarterback against uh, Georgia, I, th- I thought he looked pretty damn good, didn't you? Yeah, I thought he, I thought he did. And uh, I, I don't know what's going on with Terry. I love, I love Bradshaw. I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, as you know. And, and, uh, but this, this audio doesn't do justice. You have got to watch the video. The funniest thing I saw was that retweet you sent out where you watch the video with no sound (laughs) (laughs) and it looks like a farmer trying to explain like an alien landing in his or a a crop. What do you call them? Uh, What do they call those things? Uh, The The crop circles. Yeah. The crop circles. And if you, I swear, if you watch this thing, we'll put the clip up on the Reddit page. Uh, It is hilarious. So I, I don't know what he was talking about. I thought the guy looked good. And, uh, you know, I think it's more, like you said, more of a rallying cry type deal. <laughs> I hope so. Otherwise, old Terry, he may have lost it. <laughs> he looked like an Amish guy, man. All right, Shay, let's go around the league. All right, let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. Around the league. Around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know. I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week, all our players. I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other or every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, I man, it's time. It's time to put on a hard hat, launch bail, let's get to work. 
All right, Shane, starting in old Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. We got a little bit of uh, Tiger news here. I thought this was pretty interesting. And uh, let's start with, first right off the bat, Coach O. You know, he was asked during a recent uh, media availability about his relationship with LSU's new AD, Scott Woodward, who, of course, came over from Texas A&M. And a lot of people thought when they brought this AD in, you know, People always jump to this. I, I, I'm not a believer in it, but a lot of people do. So, oh, my God, a new AD. That means the, <laughs> the coach better watch his ass because this AD is going to want to bring in his guy and all this. But Coach O says that's not the way it is. And uh, let's play this clip here, Shane, about what Coach O had to say about his relationship with his AD, Scott Woodward, since he's uh, joined him there in Baton Rouge. Has Scott Woodward asked anything different of you than what you've been doing so far? No, not really. Uh, just been very supportive. Uh, being from Louisiana, he and I hit it off right away. He's big into recruiting. He comes to our recruiting office, knows all about our recruits, very knowledgeable, even put me on a couple of recruits. I think he's going to be fantastic. So, so your early review is all thumbs up? A plus. All right, Shane, so somewhat, you know, standard stuff there, but what he finished with I thought was kind of eye-opening there where uh, Coach O admitted that uh, their AD is is really in tune with recruiting, and this is something that I heard while he was at A&M. Not only is Woodward uh, in the football offices all the time, but not just football, but all the sports. He I saw uh, many Aggie players respond to Woodward's decision to leave where they weren't necessarily mad at him, but they were just, uh, you know, it was like they were losing a friend. And yeah, I think that's a great relationship for an AD to have with all the athletes because at the end of the day, you know, if something bad happens, it's under the AD's watch. He's got to be aware of what these coaches are doing. So I love that he's involved, so involved with the program. But I would never imagine a guy with no college or high school coaching would be so involved in high school or, excuse me, in recruiting and Coach O says old Scott Woodward even informed him of a couple of recruits they were not aware of. So, I mean, I, I never heard of such a thing, but I, I think this is truly impressive of an AD to be so involved and hands-on in recruiting. Uh, did you have that same reaction? Yeah, and I think that's important because obviously LSU has been pushing the needle on this recruiting stuff here the past few years. So uh, the fact that you've got an athletic director that is all on board with continuing that that recruiting momentum you got to feel good if you're an LSU fan and uh, I, I I don't know I just because a lot of them they come in and they're not as attached to the football program as you'd like to be and it seems like this guy's tuned in so uh, I like that now one thing he did not mention coach O that is and I, I really thought it he this is what he was implying when he mentioned this I wonder if Scott Woodward made sure to – obviously, if he's this informed in recruiting and, and the players and whatnot, he was doing the same thing at Texas A&M. So I'm thinking what he's done here is he shared Texas A&M's recruiting board essentially with the LSU coaching staff. I think that's kind of what Coach O was referring to. And uh, not, I don't think that's a dirty trick because, hell, he's getting paid by LSU now. He's got to help LSU in any way he can. But – it is interesting because I know at one point the Aggies held a commitment from a Louisiana defensive back named Major Burns, and since Woodward's come on board, Shane, the Tigers got his commitment. So I don't know if he's specifically referencing Major Burns. I know LSU was kind of – I believe they were already recruiting him, but 
I just thought that was interesting. I mean, there there's a huge rivalry brewing between A&M and LSU, and uh, this is only going to add some, some flames to that fire, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, a 10-overtime game will do that, Mike, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the greatest game I didn't watch, you know? So, uh, the one thing that I do, I you know, that you brought up there is, you know, he's if he's this – I mean, he's already talking about recruits and, and potential recruits that – uh, that Coach O didn't even have on the board. You know, if he's that involved with recruiting, he was that involved with Texas A&M, like you said, you know. So he knows their short list. He knows names out there that maybe Coach O hasn't been looking at and he can say, hey, you know, Fisher saw something here, you know, so maybe, uh, maybe we should go over. All right, sticking with LSU, Shane, I thought this was pretty interesting. I wish we had the actual comments, but – uh, Joe Burrow down at the Manning Passing Academy. This was uh, late last week. They held that event. And uh, I had seen quite a few clips from it, but I did not see where he specifically said that. So these comments come via the advocate. But uh, this is what Joe Burrow had to say on LSU's new offense. I think we're going to score a lot of points. And I don't think a lot of people are used to LSU scoring 40, 50, 60 points per game. I think if we do what we need to do, up until fall camp and continue our hard work in fall, we can be one of the best offenses in the country. I don't know, Shane. I'm I'm not saying that they should, you know, kick back the expectations there in Baton Rouge, <laughs> but, I mean, we're hearing coaches and the quarterback, and, I mean, they're just building this damn thing up so much now. And yeah. it, I mean, it does seem like a new day at LSU, but are they setting the expectations too high for this offense at this point? I think they are, and one of the things that Coach O mentioned in that that early press conference was the outside noise. You know, last year they didn't have high expectations, and they succeeded, and everybody, you know, got on the wagon. Mm-hmm. And now you've got players coming out, like you said, coaches coming out talking about this offense. And Coach O said, you know, hey, we got to we got to get to work. We got, you know, last year we can't listen to the negativity. This year, we can't listen to the hop because if you start listening to the hop, he goes, then you're going to expect to win games and, you know, it, it may bite you in the ass. So uh, the, the thing that – now that's paraphrasing, of course, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> the thing is, if you set – I mean, think about it. The bar is getting set, man. And if, the, if LSU fans are starting to think, hey, man, we have a chance to win the SEC and then they drop three games – then they're going to want Coach O's job again, you know. So uh, they just they, – they got a tamper. We, we've never seen this offense. We haven't seen it against an SEC defense. So let's don't get too carried away with the hype. And I think what you're going to see is that pulled back. When they when these guys come in for camp, I, I guarantee Coach O's going to get on Joe in particular because he's the one that's talking the most mm-hmm. and, and pull these guys back and say, hey, listen, let's just talk on the field. Let's don't talk to the media. Yeah, and sticking with that theme of LSU's offense, this was also news recently, but uh, the offensive coordinator, Steve Ensminger, given a one-year extension. They didn't give him a raise, but they did give him a one-year extension. And why that's notable to me, Shane, is, you know, I don't think Steve Ensminger is doing a bad job at all. I think he, I think he's really underrated, and he probably deserves this extension. I'm not trying to say he doesn't, but all this new offense talk, and this pat they is because they brought in a new passing game coordinator, uh, Joe Brady from from the New Orleans Saints, and you know everyone's talking up this guy. I mean, I'm hearing that he may be like the next uh, Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach, who you know very young but 
understands these passing concepts and he and he's changing the LSU offense. And my question is, you know, why are they bringing in this guy if they have so much faith in their offensive coordinator? And if the offense does explode next season, Shane, you got to assume it's because of this young guy that they're bringing in, the passing game coordinator, yet they're extending their offensive coordinator. It just seems like they're building a really weird dynamic that I don't understand what they're going to what they're doing here because if Joe Brady's all that he's cracked up to be, you got to think that he's got to be the offensive coordinator as soon as next year if, if LSU's offense just turns around night and day. But here they are giving Ensminger, the guy that they, they're needing to bring help, uh, giving him an extension. Yeah, it feels like they're building a toxic relationship down there, you know, because Ensminger is the guy. He's the one that's going to be sending these plays out, not Brady. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just feels like somebody's going to get blamed in a game and and, and this relationship is going to start falling apart because maybe they want Brady to have more control of the offense or maybe they want Brady to have less control. So um, I, I'm really – I don't know. It, it, you know, I, it's a it's a weird package that they got down there, but, you know, I guess we're just going to have to see how it plays out. And last thing here on LSU, Shane, the Tigers have announced they've added John Robinson as an analyst on uh, Coach O's staff. And, of course, if you don't know that name – former USC coach. Uh, This was before our time, Shane. He was the coach in the 70s, but he won a national title at USC, won five pack, I think it was pack 10 titles back then. Uh, So, you know, another uh, nice addition here. I don't know what John Robinson is specifically be doing, but, uh, you know, it seems like that Coach O USC uh, connection has worked well in in the past. And I know the Tigers have at least one, if not two, former USC coaches on their staff. So uh, I, I just think that's an interesting pickup there for the Tigers. Yeah, I, I heard that name. I thought it was the Tennessee Titans guy. And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I don't know who this cat is. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any insight on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump down to Columbia, South Carolina. where we referenced the Manning passing a camp earlier when we were talking about Joe Burrow, but Jake Bentley was also down there. And uh, believe it or not, Shane, Jake Bentley won the throwing competition from the event. And keep in mind, uh, there were nine, well, there were scheduled to be nine SEC quarterbacks at this event. Only eight showed up. And uh, so Jake Bentley out through them all. And other guys there include Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, Gamecock fans, I'm sure, celebrating that. But, uh, and you know, a lot of these, uh, like Elite 11 camps, you know, the guys that win it, I'm not very impressed with that. But the fact that these are solid college quarterbacks that have established themselves and Jake Bentley's come out here and won this event, I think that that puts a little bit more credit to him winning this, particularly coming off a season where, you know, he certainly has his, his doubters this offseason going into his senior year. But uh, what were your thoughts when you heard this news, Shane? Well, I think this is huge, you know. We had – uh was it David? Is that his name? David Morris. Yeah, we had him on for an interview, and and you know he made some great points and some great I don't know, some, just some strong comments about Bentley's progression, and you know it just made me feel like we're going to see a better quarterback this year. And I don't know if it's the the outside noise, the Helensky pressure, or anything like that, but I mean to go down there with Archie and Peyton and Eli and come out the champ, you know, that says a lot to you about your quarterback. 
Yeah, now you referenced that uh, interview with uh, founder of Quarterback Country, David Morris. Let's uh, do a little rewind here. Let's just jump to what he had to say about Bentley because I do remember that was something interesting that we both picked up on. Uh, this was from uh, it, a podcast a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm super impressed uh, by Jake. I mean, all of these guys are just incredible kids. Jake's an incredible kid. Um, coach's son. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I think, I think when you think about Bentley, you think about a guy that, um, has tons of games under his belt. Uh, you know, he has, uh, tons of experience playing. There's no, there's no experience that's going to rattle him or shake him. He's as talented as anybody. I mean, he's just, um, one of those guys that, uh, you know, I mean, I think South Carolina is going to, um, you know, have to fight and claw in the SEC uh, East, right? I mean, it's a tough division. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, – I think from what you'll see from Jake this year uh, is, is, a, is a more um, uh, polished decision-maker. I think he's going to take care of the football. Uh, I mean, physically, he can play, man. I think he's an NFL quarterback. I, I think that um, this will be his best year yet. Uh, he's well-coached up there by, by – Dan Werner and the, and that crew and um and I think that I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people that are excited about him and uh, I, I think that you know it's easy to take somebody for granted that's been there a while uh, but at the end of the day um, you know I mean I think I think what he's done there at South Carolina is is, is pretty amazing and you know the, you know for him to be a, a four year starter is is uh, unheard of so I mean. His legacy in the SEC uh, uh, will be that. I mean, he's going to leave a legacy, and I think I think this is going to be a, a special year for him. I, I couldn't be more excited for him. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, old quarterback country was right here, Shane. Jake Bentley, I mean, this is definitely a money year, make or break year here for the senior quarterback here from Columbia. Um, and like, you know, this is one thing I've been hammering home all offseason, Shane. This is going to be year two of them in the Brian McElwain offense. It usually takes coordinators, you know, their second year to really get in their stride. We all know that Debo Samuel's gone, but I don't know. If they can, you know, if all all the cylinders are firing on that side of the ball this year, I think uh, South Carolina's could be a dark horse in the SEC East. I do, too. I do, too. I know they've got a tough schedule, but like I said, I love them, the, the wide receivers. I think we're going to see even more up-tempo this year. And uh, who do you want? leading your team i mean this guy is four-year starter and i i think you know if he really has improved his game like we're hearing then uh south carolina may surprise a few people yeah and they're still in the running from what i understand for uh clemson running back who's a graduate transfer i believe his name is feaster tevin feaster uh he's leaving clemson and i think south carolina is the favorite to grab him so if they if they get that guy I mean, they'll just add another piece to the puzzle there, uh, but that remains to be seen. Uh, let's jump down to Tuscaloosa, Shane, where... Roll Tide! I referenced it just a moment ago. There were scheduled to be nine quarterbacks at the Manning Passing Academy, but old Tua failed the show because of injury, Shane. Yeah, apparently he tweaked his hamstring leading up to the event. Now, they don't tackle the quarterbacks or hit the quarterbacks or even touch the quarterbacks at this event, so I'm not really sure why Tua couldn't have just kind of came to the event, but uh, 
my main question to you, Shane, because I have I've looked into this. This is a completely new injury from any of the ones he had last year, where he hurt his wrist, he hurt his knee, he hurt his ankle. Now this is a completely different injury. At what point should Alabama fans be concerned about all these mounting injuries with Tua, and specifically when uh, you know you factor in that Jalen Hurts is no longer there to save the day? Yeah, I think. I think they've been worried about Tua since he got down there because, like you said, the, he's he's getting injured every year. And it's it may be something small, but it, it could lead to something and there could be an underlying injury. You know, a lot of times when you, you see these multiple injuries, especially lower leg, there's, there's a root, there's a cause. And I was hoping that it would get addressed with that surgery he had, but you never know. He may be compensating for that surgery and and – on the flip side of the coin, this may be saving. Saving may be, you know, got this guy bubble wrapped, you know, like mm-hmm. if you don't feel good, I don't want you going outside the house kind of deal, you know, because they need you at a hundred percent. Cause like you said, the backups, uh, they're unproven. They've got talent down there, but that's not what you want. Two is going to have to play every game to, to win a national championship this year. Yeah. And recent comments from Saban says, uh, two was, down 20 pounds this offseason, which I, th- I think he was kind of bragging about how he shed some weight, but I never thought Tua was overweight. I thought, if anything, maybe he needed to pack some pounds on because uh, I know he's got a really solid lower half, and, uh, you know, that that was one thing. that There's a lot of small quarterbacks that the NFL people, you know, question, but Tua, you know, he's not the tallest guy, but I never heard any questions about his size or his frame. So I, I don't know how I feel about him losing weight unless maybe he was just carrying too much. Maybe that's that contributed to all his injuries. Well, what scares me about that is when you lose weight, you want to run more, you know. So right. And that's the last thing you want Tua doing is moving outside that pocket, you know, just relying on that offensive line, you know, and, and your wide receivers and the talent you got around you. Don't, don't try to do anything special during the season. There's going to be some games you're going to need Tua's legs but if he's if he's feeling better and he's moving better, then that kind of scares me as a, as a Tide fan, you know. All right, Shane, let's jump to Knoxville real quick. Not a ton of uh, going on around the SEC, but I thought these comments were pretty good from Philip Fulmer. Uh, he was on a Memphis radio station recently and asked, you know, just about the progress of uh, the program under Jeremy Pruitt heading into year two. And this uh, Memphis radio program is called Real Sports Talk 56. Uh, here's what Fulmer had to say uh, about his hire of Jeremy Pruitt. And I, th- I thought those comments were pretty interesting. And uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, he was asked about should Tennessee be going back to a bowl game? And he kind of laughed at that one. So uh, here's Fulmer on that. Well, certainly you have a lot of familiarity with the uh, the way things are, are how you win as, as far as football goes at the University of Tennessee. Do you feel good about the direction with Jeremy Pruitt, where things are headed with the football program after year number one and getting ready for year number two? I, I, I do feel good. I, I, Jeremy's a heck of a football coach. I mean, really good football coach. And he's a better game manager than I could have even thought about um, uh, expecting from him. I mean, he, he knows football. He knows situational football. He, he's great with the kids. Uh, um, I, I mean, I've been impressed. He's one of those guys that can really push them, push them, and then he knows how to hug their neck as well. Um, 
Um, we're, we're really developing the kids that are here. You know, he's not ignored them. He's, he's really developing kids here, but he's also recruited well. Um, you know, recruiting to five and seven is not nearly as easy as recruiting to seven and five in right. your first year. Now, the like, we'd all like for that to have been a little bit better, but uh, he got he got some kids in our program that, uh, you know, that uh, are going to be really good down the road. And uh, but it's a big shift, you know, and it takes a while to turn. And but we're turning it, and uh, I'm really happy about the, the the direction we're headed this year in recruiting. And and our kids don't look the same, guys, in in the, in the weight room and, and walking around. I mean, we're 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 getting it done off the field in the weight room and in the classroom as well. So, with that said, coach, do you think um, you have a a would you have a um, uh, a bowl at least um, as far as your, what you expect to see this upcoming season? Do you have any expectations now that you've seen this this team start to move in a forward trajectory? <laughs> I can't even imagine Tennessee not expecting to be in a bowl. All <laughs> right, that's that's the, that's not that's. I mean, we 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 have to do that. Now there may be good reason sometime that we you know we, we ran out of gas last year you know we put ourselves beat Auburn beat Kentucky you know and and had South Carolina beat you know and, right. and played played Georgia really tough you know for, for three quarters we just ran out of people and ran out of gas last year and and uh did, will there be more depth on this team yes and there will be uh I think a much better understanding of of how to practice and how to how to prepare yourself for for big games, and I do. I expect us to be uh, Jeremy. I mean, everybody here expects us to be better. Mm-hmm. So I don't. If you if they don't, they're probably in the wrong place. <laughs> All right, Shane. So that's got to be music to your ears because the the damn guy there running the ship at Tennessee. You know the 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 expectation for him is not to go to a bowl game. That's I mean that's like the basic. Uh, they had that's something that uh, there shouldn't even be a question in Fulmer's mind every year. No, I agree. And you talk about a hands on athletic director. This is a guy that got in trouble for coaching last year. So <laughs> <laughs> if anybody, if anybody know, can, you know, understand expectations, it's it's uh, it's Coach Fulmer. And, you know, the fact that he's down there and he sees these boys and he's coming out saying there's, I mean, he just kind of laughed it off that there's no chance that these boys don't make a bowl game. You know, that that's music to my ears because uh you know just it just feels like we're going to be a little bit deeper because he talked about last year we had potential but we got gas there at the end Mm -hmm. and uh you know we've got a lot of young guys on this on this team and if we can rotate a little bit better this year maybe we can keep them fresh so i'm excited i i I love our schedule i think i think we're gonna be in good shape now my only question to you shane a lot of people Maybe not Tennessee people, but people outside Knoxville, Rocky Top area. You know, they may look at this and say, "Well, you know, AD's putting a lot of expectations on Pruitt and his program, and and saying, you know, that no excuse to not make a bowl game." Now, he did note that uh, you know they just didn't have the guys, and he certainly was not blaming Jeremy Pruitt for. You know, I think that was kind of somewhat the expectation there at, in Knoxville last season, but. Any any thought to the AD, you know, throwing some pressure on him? I want to hear what you think about that. 
No, I think I think Pruitt's one of those guys that understands the expectations, and I think that he already understands the pressure. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I just think that with this coaching staff, the things, the moves that they made in the off season shows me just how much they care about this program compared to years past. You know, it was just a more of like a plug and play type situation. So I think they're trying to build continuity. Uh, you know, they don't want change. I mean, some of these boys have been through a lot on this staff or on this team. You know, they've they've gone through different coordinators. They've gone through different, you know, schemes. And I think what they're wanting to build is, uh, you know, a path for the future. So, I, I mean, I'm not expecting them to, to uh, you know, compete for a national championship this year. But I think the groundwork has been laid already. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they've got nowhere else to move but up. So, I think we're in good shape, brother. I'm glad you said that, Shane, because that's I think that's right on the money. That's kind of what I was going to say. You know, one of my favorites of the Jeremy Pruitt era in his first year, that first game, even though they got beat pretty decisively against West Virginia, when they got stopped on the goal line, I believe it was third and short near the goal line, players are coming off the field with their heads down and he's screaming what the hell get back out there we're going for it <laughs> like he he's just letting them know it's a different day it's they're yep. gonna, they expect to win they expect to score and uh, that's something that Pruitt hit home many times last season I mean he's not he's not ready to lose he's not expected to lose he expects to win every game and he's got to uh you know I, certainly he believes that based on his career and he's got to get the, all his everyone in his program to do the same. So it's, it just seems to me like he and Fulmer, even though these are some bold comments here, uh, Fulmer and him are, are completely on the same page at this point. And I think that's the only way Tennessee is going to improve is, uh, you know, they can't go in, going into a year say, wait, well, hey, let's try to make a bowl game. It's, it's got to be, uh, you know, let's try to win that damn SEC and, and we'll find out which bowl we're going to go to in December. I mean, and that's it, man. You got, here you got, uh, Pruitt that's won national championships you got Fulmer it's won national championships but if you look at the coaching staff in general how many of those guys have competed uh, you know at the top level that are used to winning so I, I think that's going to change the culture if anything change the culture at Tennessee where they expect to win not hope to win so uh, I, I'm pumped up man we got 53 days till football I'm ready brother <laughs> And before we jump off here, though, Shay, we do have a mailbag question. You got that one queued up for us? Yes, sir. Listen up. It's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? My turn. What do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, oh God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. Fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. What color are those red fire trucks? This one comes from our buddy Ryan Tudor. He says, uh, love the podcast today. Coming from an Ole Miss fan, I'm glad to hear an honest podcast predicting them. How many wins for Matt Luke to keep his job? Hmm. Mike, I think I want to say this, you know, Coach Luke, I don't think has as much pressure on him as people think. This is uh this is a second year coach. I mean, how many second year coaches get fired in the SEC? I just 
So I'm bringing the the win total down. Long as he wins those non conference games, doesn't get blown out. I think four wins, and I know this is we're lowballing it, but four wins, I think he keeps his job. But anything less than that, yeah, he may be he may be on an exit plan just because of the recruiting momentum that they have. The the you know they've got a lot of young talent on that team now. They got more young talent coming in. I think there's this underlying momentum with recruiting that's going to keep Luke in there another year, regardless of the season outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane, let me just say you and I are completely different here. Because <laughs> I think there's a chance old Matt Luke is gone by October. And I think it's going to start with that first game at Memphis. That's a statement game. And that's where Ole Miss is at right now. I mean, if you go to Memphis and you lose that game, I have a very bad feeling that Matt Luke is done. And you know, I know SEC programs going into the year shouldn't be saying, hey, we got to win four games to keep the coach. You know, uh, there, it just seems to be no momentum with a lot of the fan base. It seems like every time I watch one of their games, unless it's the damn Alabama game, uh, you know, the, the stadium is half full. Yeah, I mean, you just can't have that. You know what I mean? Like the the fan enthusiasm is not there now. Obviously, they made the two coordinator hires that everyone's praising, and I, I think those are two awesome additions. I think those are two awesome upgrades. But it's more about the players, from my mind. I mean, the coaches can't out can't go out there and do it. And we've seen it time and again, and we've referenced it. You see, with South Carolina last year, the first year under a coordinator is, is much different than the second year. And I, I just don't have confidence that we're even going to get to year two with those two coordinators. So you got to win against Memphis. Uh, if they don't, it's going to be bad. But let's say they do beat Memphis. Uh, then you got week two at Arkansas. I mean, everyone thinks Arkansas is the worst damn team in the SEC, and they were last year. I'm not, I'm not convinced they will be this upcoming year. But let's say Ole Miss drops that one. I mean, you, you're losing to Memphis. You're losing to Arkansas, the worst team perceived in the SEC. I mean, what – what is, uh, you know, what is the future of this program? It's not looking good. So I don't necessarily like to put a win total because, yeah, you know, imagine if they beat, I mean, not saying this is going to happen, but if they beat Alabama, but they only win two other games, you probably will say, hey, let's keep Matt Luke because he, he won that one. Or if they, you know, if they've won three or four games, but they beat Mississippi State at the end of the year, maybe that gives Matt Luke some momentum. Uh, that's pretty much how he got the job. So, uh, win totals, I'm not a big fan of, but he's got to win the non-conference. We already said that. I think he's got to beat Arkansas, and I mean he's got to beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> and if he finds a way to beat Mississippi State, I think he keeps his job. But other than that, I just so you're saying I just so you're don't see it. Seven games. I mean he's got, yeah he's got to show progress, and he's been there long okay. enough. He's they they're throwing all this money at these coordinators. I know they're losing talent, but if they're winning five, six games, uh, I'm just not seeing what is the future of this program. I mean, he needs to show something. He's got got to beat Arkansas. I mean, that was that was yeah. that was a terrible team last year. Uh, Vanderbilt's not going to be that good. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've got to show some progress. Otherwise, they need to get someone in there. Now, you mentioned the recruiting. I mean, the, go back to the last couple coaches, Shane. I mean, Hugh Freeze, he really did a, a, an excellent job recruiting. I know they were cheating, but uh, Coach O <laughs> did an excellent job recruiting. I mean, I, was, I, I shouldn't say it's easy to recruit to Oxford, but 
it's I don't think it's quite that hard. I think there's a lot of really good talent in the state of Mississippi and you know they have connections now in Texas and Louisiana and Florida yeah. and all over the south. So um, I don't I would not keep Matt Luke just based solely on his recruiting prowess because I don't think it's been that impressive. I think it's been solid. But uh, I think if you bring in an excellent recruiter, uh, excellent offensive mind, like they like maybe like a Mike Norvell, the Memphis coach, which, which would be ironic if they lose to Memphis. I think that would be that, that would be the guy that rises up my board to be uh, the next Ole Miss coach. Who who's who's going to be the next coach? Mike Norvell, the the current Memphis head coach. Yeah, I I I put a bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> and they have there's legal uh, sports gambling in Mississippi, Shane. So it all it all yeah. works out in Mike Norville's favor. All right, man. Well, we'll see. So the winner of so what you're saying, the winner of the Ole Miss Memphis game will be coaching Ole Miss <laughs> the following year. <laughs> that that's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. All right, I love it, man. All right, Shane. So you got to jump to work. So let's let's end the podcast here. You got anything before we hop off? Well, real quick, I do. We do got a couple of reviews. I want to, you know, take time to do that. Okay. Of course, I'm not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Cue the music, Mike. Thank you for being. First one comes from uh, James Cecil Jr. Great podcast, five star. This is a great podcast that is both entertaining and informative. Both guys do a great job providing unbiased analysts of each SEC school. These two guys seem like someone you'd like to watch a game and have a beer with. Keep up the great works, guys. Hell State and go to hell Ole Miss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate that, sir. Oh, I got one more. This one comes from Knox Vegas. Balls, five-star, great show. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate all the reviews, especially, uh, you know, people that take the time to to physically write us one out that really helps the podcast out. So, uh, you know, give us a follow on on Twitter, on Reddit, uh, on Instagram. We're on all of them. Uh, Any and all support, much appreciated. Uh, And thank you, Shane, for joining me as always. I I truly appreciate that as well. And I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, buddy. Go balls.